0: Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.
1: Nerdy Show listeners, we need your help. A bunch of our series have been nominated for the Audioverse Awards, a podcast award show for audio dramas. The Orphans, Nerdcasting the Multiverse, Dungeons & Doritos, and Liberty have all been nominated for awards in music, acting, writing, and production. The semifinals are open to fan voting right now, and we'll never make it to the finals without your votes. Don't delay. We've only got till October 30th. So head to nerdyshow.com audioverse2017 to see the list of nominees and get voting.
2: Hey there, listeners. This is Pat the Talking Bearskin Rogue from Flame On, right here on the Nerdy Show Network. If you're looking for some sweet, nerdy queer
0: in your ear... Then head over to nerdyshow.com slash flame on and check us out. We cover everything from TV to movies, comics to drag queens, and so much more. For a gay and geeky slice of pop culture life, get ready to flame on. State of the Empire is presented by the Nerdy Show Podcast Network. Geeky programming for all nerds across the multiverse. And is brought to you in part by Consequence of Sound, the web's foremost source of music and film news, reviews, and insights. All Nerdy Show programming is made possible by A Comic Shop, Orlando's number one comic shop and nerd destination, and with the generous support of listeners like you. To learn how you can support this and other fine geek programming, visit nerdyshow.com.
1: Welcome to State of the Empire, Nerdy Show's Star Wars speculation podcast, where we look for news in Alderaan places. Hi, I'm Cap. Hey, I'm Doug.
2: Hey, I'm Matt.
1: In this episode, we're going to be talking about all the big shakeups for Star Wars Episode 9, the recent announcements for the Han Solo solo film, and all the additional things we've learned about Episode 8 since our last all Episode 8 episode. Um... State of the Empire took a little siesta during the summer as things got really crazy, sleepy for the show, but not for the rest of us. So in our past episode, we did exclusively all the latest news for episode eight, but that means we have not even touched the shakeup, the scandal coming from episode nine. Let's do a bit of a timeline here. Colin Trevorrow of Jurassic World fame is directing this movie. He was gonna be writing it as well alongside uh, Derek Connolly and then we got this announcement that Jack Thorne was pulled in to also write the film. This dude's the uh, the co-creator of the British TV shows The Fades, The Castoffs, The Last Panthers and National Treasure. Um he also did a recent adaptation of his Dark Materials into Android's Dream of Electric Sheep. I think he, what he also did the uh, the Harry Potter stage show?
2: Yep.
0: So a weird which
2: depending on who depending on who you talk to wasn't that great at all. I haven't heard anybody tell me it was great. Period. <laughs> so I don't even know if it's dependent. <laughs>
1: It's a a weird repertoire, enough for us to be like, okay, well, that's interesting. At least Trevorrow isn't writing it because that hasn't, you know, aided him much in the past. And then Book of Henry came out, which I haven't seen. Matt, have you seen it?
2: No, I'm tempted to take that plunge, but it's been difficult.
1: I mean, understandable as to why you wouldn't. This film is critically panned, and you can watch the trailer, and you can see why. It's the most, like yank you all around imbalanced absurd looking but not in a good way kind of movie
2: and like like harshly panned critics not worried if they were going to be able to like have a successful professional relationship with uh colin trevorrow ever again type panned, like they just (laughs) just railed into this movie
1: and then not too very long after that boom september 5th on starwars.com Lucasfilm and Colin Trevorrow have mutually chosen to part ways on Star Wars Episode Nine. Colin has been a wonderful collaborator throughout the development process, but we have all come to the conclusion that our visions for the project differ. We wish Colin the best, and we'll be sharing more information about the film soon. Hollywood Reporter then said, There's uh, been a rumor since June, just before the opening of Book of Henry, that this was going to happen. And uh, sources tell that the main conflict throughout the development was script issues with multiple drafts from Colin Trevorrow leading to an unmanageable working relationship. And Matt, you noticed something very peculiar uh, during this time as well.
2: Yeah, that was uh Paulo Hidalgo re- reducing his Twitter follows. Is this what we're, we're on the same <laughs> yeah, page? Yeah. Yeah. And, and when he, went, you know, he decided that like, you know, he was going to reduce himself down to, I think it was a hundred because I think that that's considered like a good amount of people to be following. I think that's like a Twitter standard. And when he did his, uh, you know, when all the cuts were done, noticeably Colin Trevorrow and other people associated with Episode Nine were gone, as well as like Lord and Miller and, and other people who are no longer associated with with Star Wars films. But suddenly, you know, but Ryan Johnson still was, and. Um, uh, yeah, obviously JJ Abrams and Gareth Edwards so like it seemed like oh that could be an indication like he's no longer on the project and sure enough that ended up being the case
1: and you didn't want to mention it because you didn't want to be a muckraker but God damn it you were right <laughs>
2: yeah you know just one of those things I should have I should have not stayed quiet
1: <laughs> so during this time Ryan Johnson and JJ Abrams uh, were both rumored to be directing the film and then on September 12th the news dropped jj abrams oh my god is directing episode nine that's fucking weird
2: yeah you know it's just it's it's another one of those type of ron howard choices at this point you know like it's it's a comfort level thing it seems i you know i don't think force awakens is a bad movie like you know i've got my little quirks with it but like there's nothing nothing brave about going back to that well
0: yeah well, I think it was a choice made out of necessity, not out of like if they could pick anybody they wanted. This is a guy who already knows everyone at the company, knows how things are supposed to work, knows how to fit their timetable, started these characters, knows the basic trajectory of where they're going to go so he can write something and direct something really fast. Whereas if you pulled in someone completely from the outside, you got to catch them up to speed, then have them write it, then have them direct it, there's just, there's just not enough time.
2: Yeah, I mean, the production cycles are a lot quicker than they were than the prequels, you know, which took three years and these are, you know, two years between films. And, you know, a lot more complicated post stuff. So, yeah, you're right. Like, they did need to get somebody in there. And, you know, the funny thing is, is if going way back in the history of this whole thing, is J.J. Abrams was famously like a tough negotiation getting him on board episode seven. <laughs> yeah. You know, he wanted to hold out. He he wanted to do all the bad robot like office you know post stuff back in Los Angeles where his offices are, and you know he was insisting on that sort of thing and like a certain level of creative control. And let that be a lesson to everybody when it comes to your creative pursuits. You know, like stick to your guns on some things. You know, like look where you are. And all of a sudden J.J. Abrams is the reliable one, and he was the one that was like holding out the most. It seems.
1: Hmm. And Doug, I agree with everything you said there, except for the part about he knows where the characters are going. He doesn't fucking know shit.
0: <laughs> uh, fair point. He's but flying by way, the seat of his pants. He has
1: a better he has a better
0: idea than maybe a complete stranger.
1: Oh yeah, he definitely he knows the actors, and that's what's important. And I do respect what he does in terms of his his visual aspects and so on. But but my God, I'm so tired of this writing style that follows him everywhere he goes with just that the mystery, the mystery box needs needs some more, pal. It's such a great place to start, but it's a terrible place to, like, to go to. We've never seen J.J. Abrams finish a storyline ever, as far as I know. I could be wrong about that. I never, what is it, Alias? Is that his television show before Lost?
0: Yeah, I mean, and he did do uh, Mission Impossible 3, but that was a one-off film that was already in the middle of a series, so the fact that it ended... It didn't, I don't know, like, it, it ended satisfactorily, like, as as one complete story, but left room for more. Take that for whatever that's worth.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but in a weird way, Mission Impossible 3 was sort of a weird, soft reboot, because it, it definitely had, like, a very large gap between 2 and 3, and the series yeah. took off from there. But yeah, so well- he kind of did...
0: But if, if you look at the end of that movie, it also feels like the end of the Mission Impossible franchise because he walks off into the For sunset sure. with his wife. And it's like, oh, that's yep. the end, and maybe they'll pass it on. But then the money was like, no, you must make a <laughs> million more, which I'm happy. I like that series. So
1: so with this announcement of J.J., we also got uh, some other announcements. For example, there was no mention of Jack Thorne anywhere. So that writer, gone. Uh, instead, it's J.J. with uh, Chris Terrio or Terrio. Um, Thanks, Terrio. Yeah. He's done some things uh here are the things he's done argo whoa okay holy shit batman versus superman dawn of justice
2: fuck god no uh justice league uh uh-huh. so yeah well i mean obviously jury's still out on justice league don't know what to expect there but um
1: and he's got screenplay and story by on that one story by post-production
2: i i think it's a good thing I, I i like the idea of abram's writing with someone fresh Whereas, like, if I had to guess, like, I don't think uh, Lawrence Kasdan probably gets enough credit for some of the awful callbacks in Force Awakens. Mm. I just feel like this is this is, will give Abrams an opportunity to not have to sit there, like, shadowing someone that is now considered a Star Wars legend, you know? Right. Like, we may actually get something different out of that just for that sake.
1: And Terryo, I mean those dc films aside those are what they are um which is extremely corporate movies argo that's probably all him and that was fucking great so uh, yeah i think there's there's a real chance here that we might see the best of abrams and not have not even have abrams hold abrams back maybe it's a possibility
2: yeah a lot of my initial trepidation has sort of calmed down since like now that i realize it's abrams with someone new um you know this like if you're going to bring someone back, like, the last movie is probably a good way to do that so that you have, like, closure. Like, there's things about that I kind of like the decision in some ways, so I'm not as worried about it as I was initially.
1: With these substantial changes, <laughs> with them maybe maybe throwing out everything Trevor's been working on all this time, because he had ample time to make an amazing film, and something went wrong, and I'd kind of love to know what, but uh, the release date has been delayed from May 2019 to December 20th, 2019. And uh, that is that is it officially, but there is there's some more unofficial stuff that we've we've gotten a hold of. Um, according to Deadline, for example, Ryan Johnson was offered it and turned it down, which is interesting. I guess you know he he wanted yeah, to do I, eight, he was happy to do eight, but he also wanted to not be the Star Wars guy. I, maybe I don't know.
2: Yeah, I've, I've read the the loss of Carrie Fisher just after production really got to him, and I don't know if like he's prepared to go through that experience again. I guess they, they got really close, her being a, a writer herself, and so they kind of commiserated over the script. Apparently, she did a lot of script doctoring for this movie, which is really exciting, um, and it may have just become very personal, so I can understand why someone would want to step away yeah. in that sort of situation.
1: Yeah, that's hard. Hearing him talk about uh, Carrie at, at Celebration and so on, It, w- I mean, yeah, I, that is one of the most exciting things to me about this movie, is kind of seeing her... I, I hope because I mean we all sort of lamented the performance that both uh, Carrie and Harrison gave in Force Awakens, and yeah, but from everything we've seen so far, it feels like maybe we're gonna get like some real Leia on the screen in a way that we didn't before. Yeah, and uh, I w- I want that. I I really am hoping and praying for that. Um, now on the kind of hollywood news angle of all this this whole jj thing jj doing star wars twice that's weird like for a lot of reasons most notably that he has a 10 million dollar obligation to his home studio paramount um and working with disney they disney might actually be seeking uh damages or, or paramount might actually be seeking damages for this um They're not doing great. They just got a new CEO. They were counting on another Abrams film. He's been with them 11 years, and he's only directed three films for them. Ah. So, like, being pulled over to Disney like this twice, their public statements have been very understanding, but they must be freaking out (laughs) over this. In fact, his contract expires summer of next year, and they're expected to renew it because he's J.J. goddamn Abrams. Now, here's some very hot-off-the-presses stuff. Abrams was recently interviewed by BBC in which he voluntarily brought up that his approach to episode nine is going to be different from what he did with The Force Awakens. He said, coming back into this world after having done episode eight, I feel like we need to approach this with the same excitement that we had when we were kids, loving what these movies were. And at the same time, we have to take them places that they haven't gone and that's our responsibility. Uh, Sort of implying that, you know, like, yes, he was echoing and felt his obligation was to echo, like, to re- to reboot Star Wars in Force Awakens. And now there is a sense of obligation to do something new. It's good to hear. And then going a bit deeper and certainly weirder, um, a Redditor recently met Abrams and Chris Terrio, I guess just casually. I'm not sure what the circumstance was, but there's a photo to prove that, yes, these people were all together. And they talked about their intentions with the film, you know, very vague, but in a way that is actually like, more telling than anything else we've read. So here's what the Redditor said. He said, I worry a bit that the questions I was asking were too leading. I was speaking with Chris, and he was talking about the original trilogy. And I said about how I grew up with the prequel trilogy, and the prequels more my entry point into Star Wars. I asked about elements of the prequel trilogy coming in 9, and Chris said how 9 unites all of it. He said nine definitely makes it feel like they're all happening in the same universe and there would be prequel trilogy elements in nine. They could be visual or thematic. He didn't overtly say that they wouldn't be, would be returning to planets or characters from, from the prequel trilogy or anything. Um, they say they're not going, they say they're going to be brave and there'll be big surprises. I got the impression that JJ felt like he had to refresh previous star Wars moments for a modern audience in the, in The Force Awakens, and now it feels like they have free reign to do what they want. Apparently, they've had no interference from Kathleen or Pablo or the Lucasfilm story group. Nine unites all three trilogies, bringing everything together. That's all they would tell me.
2: Yeah, I don't know if you saw that also, Cap. Like, Trevorrow had kind of said the same thing?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, Star Wars Newsnet pointed that out. There, there's, there was a quote which reads, By the time we get to episode nine, I look at that movie as one movie, as three movies, as six movies, and as nine movies. It's something that needs to honor a story that has been told over a period of 40 years. I don't want to ignore any of it, and I respect all of it. So that's interesting that one movie, in part of what has so far been a very different trilogy, I mean, they've all been quite different, that this would act as an end cap for the three trilogies. It would be the end to a trilogy and also the end to the three trilogies. No small order, not in the least. No, not at all. And I feel like maybe that's something we can speculate more on, I guess, as episode eight resolves, just because we don't really know, like, the Force Awakens was all introductions. And I feel like we don't know the identity of this trilogy at all yet.
2: Yeah. Our Last Jedi is going to, in a weird way, uh, yeah, introductory is a good way to describe Force Awakens, but almost to characters, but, and, and maybe, like, large concepts, like the First Order and the Resistance, but actually giving us, like background detail and everything is actually seems to be more the responsibility of last jedi from the way Brian johnson talks about it so episode nine tying everything together could have a lot to do with revelations that were given in this upcoming movie whether that's ray's relationship to original trilogy characters or you know god forbid snokes or you know whatever the case might be so we might have a lot better idea of what Terio and Trevor and Abrams are talking about once we see Last Jedi,
1: which is a fine segue for us to move over to what new stuff we've learned about Last Jedi. <laughs> StarWars.com they they celebrated how many views the uh, the new trailer got, which was uh 120 million um in 24 hours. Uh, they said in just two short months, much will be revealed about Rey, Kylo Ren, Finn, General Leia, Luke, and our new friends the Porgs
2: there's so much so much going on in that one statement <laughs> yeah. and it's so and 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 what's funny is is the that last portion is probably the biggest one but is distracting from what would probably be the more actual important ones
1: right like how that list had a lot of names on it but it didn't have Poe fucking dameron in it
2: yeah i it's time to acknowledge this trilogy's big 3 is kylo finn and ray like poe is not a member of that group you know, I think he's as significant to this trilogy as, a, say, uh, Lando Calrissian. And that's not to diminish Linda, Lando's, you know, role. But, you know, he's certainly, I don't know, he's like Wedge and Tilly's with more screen time. Like, it doesn't seem like it goes much further than that, For which is unfortunate because he's awesome.
1: Well, maybe we need to read further into the statement, like even further, which is that they say much will be revealed about these characters.
2: Yeah, that is, that's another big thing.
0: So you you use a not saying Poe gonna die.
1: I'm saying <laughs> I'm saying there's nothing to be revealed about Poe. We already know who he is. He's the best damn pilot in the galaxy. Yeah, he's
0: it's got proclaimed.
1: He's got his own comic book,
0: and it's yep. it's been doing a lot in terms of building might, who he is. There might be a lot of fans out there disappointed to hear that there's not more to be revealed about Poe specifically. Who's he interested in? <laughs>
2: like, oh yeah, what's yeah. His the, love the, life? Yeah, the like, great No no
0: questions no. About no, Dizzy's he's like, "No, no, don't look over there. There's nothing over there. Stop asking questions. Nothing over there."
1: Well, we'll see about that. I mean, we there there keeps there's continual hints at the possibility, you know, like like uh, they they could be just hamming it up, but Boyega always talks about the affection between them. So,
2: yeah. And you know, we got some interesting things too, like uh as a turn Laura Dern's character, like She's like attracted to like many like alien species, like it, like nothing so like they'll go there, but they just haven't gone there with Poe yet or at all,
1: or gone there with two human actors, right true uh they they should they should just do it, but you know they should. <sighs> I mean, I don't, I don't love fan service. I think fan service, uh, it it breeds bad fans in a lot of ways. It it uh, it it creates a sense of greater entitlement than we're already struggling with. But uh, but right. th- that's that's a little bit of fan service. They should just fucking do. The world be a better place for it. Yeah. <laughs> um. Now we have potentially a bunch of leaks behind the blast doors. Um. Oh yeah, I forgot to mention the blast doors. <laughs> So, if this is your first time listening, we hide all the most spoilerific spoilers safely behind the blast doors. You'll know when it happens, and, uh, and yeah, we'll be very obvious about it. So, uh, if you're brave enough to go behind the blast doors, we'll tell you some things. Um, we're getting close to the threshold by which we might have indicators of, let's call them, the Ramparts. Because back when um, we were getting rumors about The Force Awakens one of the things that led to the reveal of Han's death was this bizarre summary that talked about a death scene in the ramparts of a castle, and it was all sort of allegory for where we actually were. And as soon as we saw these things that looked like ramparts in Starkiller Base, we knew, oh, fuck, Han is going to die, and sure enough, he did. Um, so now we've got a couple things where early on in the film you might be able to say, okay, if this happens... Then I know that X, Y, and Z are also going to happen because this person just called it. But we'll see. Again, all behind the blast doors. That's only there if you want it. Peter Serretta, who runs Slash Film, said on a podcast concerning people who'd seen early versions of The Last Jedi that almost everybody has really enjoyed it. Lucasfilm is supposedly over the moon with it. Um, their singular thing that the the, uh, the singular thing he hears from everyone is that it's very different uh, and it's going to probably not sit well with some star wars fans that it's going to be divisive which i thought was a very odd summary of things isn't every star wars film divisive <laughs> well this fan base yeah maybe so
2: i i would like to meet someone who doesn't think empire strikes back is a great movie
1: would you like to meet them or would you be really 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 upset if you met that Actually, person i'd be really fucking
2: annoyed <laughs> <laughs> And you know what? There are things you can tell me about Empire Strikes Back where I can say I can understand that. Like when I was very young, it was my third favorite because it didn't have a space battle. But then as I c- got older and came to appreciate various different things about it, it was like it just vaulted into the first position. But yeah. Hmm. Yeah. that's uh, So maybe it's divisive in that way. I won't get into like fights <laughs> with like a, a five-year-old about Empire being boring.
1: <laughs> you know, you'll deck him. Five-year-old's mm-hmm. getting a black eye. <laughs> Soretta said one other thing. He said, one person I know that has seen the movie messaged me after this news came out uh, saying that he's happy that JJ Abrams is coming on because uh, he, the person who was messaging, messaging him didn't like some of the choices that Ryan Johnson went with. This is hearsay from a guy in a privileged position. I mean, these, these are not fake conversations. These are actual conversations, people who have actually seen the film. Um, But, Interesting nods, and I'm not sure how to, you know, what to make of it, and or really who these people are, even, you know, who are they that they have opinions that I might even want to. Care it was a uh,
0: JJ's uh, agent.
2: <laughs> 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 um, you know, in a weird way, sometimes I think comments like that, just in general, about not being satisfied with decisions, and it, it's better than hearing something is universally loved because then you know you start to wonder. I don't know. I I just. You start to wonder if people are just, like, jumping on a hype train. But when you hear there's, like, div- like different opinions, like, that that seems like something that people are more comfortable speaking out about, which I think is cool. Hmm.
1: Now, the character who continues to be shrouded in... Well, I won't say the most mystery, because Laura Dern's character is also very shrouded in mystery. But but let's talk about Benicio Del Toro's DJ. Um, at least we know that uh, Laura Dern's character has a name, Admiral Haldo. Um, but DJ has what is allegedly still just like a nickname and not an in-world nickname even it's hard to say what exactly they've meant by all the cryptic things they've said regarding his moniker um but we have some insight maybe it just makes no fucking sense (laughs) so we've seen a pop figure of dj we've seen a star wars black series figure of dj and he's got this cute little hat and on his cute little hat there's some Arabesh and it reads, Don't join. What does that mean?
2: And that's it's I couldn't even begin to guess.
1: And don't join DJ. Alright. What? And he can't I mean, and those letters in Arabesh, they're not, you know, they match up to the letters of the English alphabet, but like they're not those letters are not called D and J. I don't know what they're called. But, you know, so someone wouldn't like you wouldn't take that phrase on his hat and turn it into a character's name because it doesn't make sense within the context of the world but products have been put on shelves with this dj name on it this is a very strange thing and how could how could any title this character would have have any degree of like reveal that warrants this strange behavior
0: is he the new phasma <laughs> <sighs>
2: I don't know. I think Phasma had a lot more hype at this point going in. I don't know if anyone can quite be the new Phasma. Like, they've done so little marketing of DJ and Holdo. I don't think it's possible for them to even be anything at this point.
1: Which is so weird. It's so goofy. Like, these actors are known and beloved actors that I think people would probably really want to know they were in the movie, but they don't know they're in the movie. And I don't know why they're worried about sharing that they're in the movie. Like, they don't. Ah, I, the the fear of spoilers. I'm kind of like, why? Why are why is this a concern? The the marketing for any of the prequels was fine, and revealed quite a bit without giving you know the film away.
2: Yeah, and you know, so that like the only thing confirmed about him is that he's a slicer. Which I could be wrong. That term may have originated in the RPG material first but I know for certainty in the expanded universe, it appeared in air of the empire and like poor Timothy's on. Like I know he gets a lot of credit, but like Coruscant and like slicers, like, like his things are appearing in like, you know, in the prequels and the sequels, like, and I don't know it's, it's strange that it's like star Wars will gladly pick and choose like terminology and locations from the old expanded universe, but like their creators don't get as much of a hand in, they're use. I don't know. It's. I guess that's just a weird thing to me. But it's well, cool that slicers are a thing.
1: True, and hopefully Timothy's on is well taken care of. Um, you know, slicers, man, slicers are, are such a thing that um, every time, and we've recently had some game footage of Battlefront Two of the single player campaign released, and every time your character um, Verso tells her droid to like hack a terminal, she's like slice it. Yep. Like the terminology is, I suppose, intentionally being injected.
2: Yeah, it's cool. Like, it's cool that, like, you know, they're not reinventing the wheel with what has been built up about this universe outside the scope of the of the films.
1: Something that people have noticed, and this might be the... <laughs> this might be one of those those things that State of the Empire latches onto that we really, really shouldn't latch onto, but it's interesting. Um, they There are black rings on some of these action figures, like, on their hands. Um, there's a black ring on Snoke, a black ring on DJ... Um, There's a rumor about Snoke wielding some kind of something to do with a black kyber crystal.
2: I believe Poe has a ring on a necklace chain around his neck.
1: So maybe there's like a secret society that we're going to learn something about on um, Canto Bight, maybe with these rings. That's a very, um, you know, ruling elite kind of thing. But it's at this point, we have nothing to back it up aside from this weird little observation.
2: I mean, it could just be some sort of like jewelry merchandising tie-in, but it could be significant who knows there's been no further clues
1: now as for everyone's favorite mystery Snoke uh Rain Johnson said of Snoke we got the whole story of Palpatine's rise to power in the prequels but in the original films he's exactly what he needs to be which is just the emperor he's a dark force the scary thing behind the thing that was entirely how I approached Snoke I wasn't interested in explaining where he came from or telling his history, except where it serves the story. Now, uh, Andy Serkis said, I know enough to play the character. This is a trick question. I can just tell. Unfortunately, I can't reveal any of it. The reason behind it, why I can't say too much, is that I really don't want to spoil the mystery of the character. And there is a mystery to the character, and it's coming up soon. So these, these things are countering one another in in weird ways. Um, I guess Johnson's saying he doesn't want to re- reveal his history, and Circus is saying there's a mystery that is going to be revealed. So history and mystery, not the same things, but... Well, is he saying that the, a
0: mystery is going to be revealed or that there's going to be an answer? Like, oh, we'll reveal the mystery of... You, you know what I'm saying? Like, there's a difference between revealing a mystery and revealing an answer
1: well I guess he says he doesn't want to spoil the mystery of the character and I feel like we've already got a lot of mystery so surely that must mean a few answers as to like his deal we got one other weird thing about him which is that Andrew Garfield uh, was being interviewed about being directed by uh, by Circus during the film Breath and uh, he said that when he met him while filming scenes for The Last Jedi Circus was dressed in his performance capture leotard and the required white dots and even wore faux hair on his face <laughs>
2: <laughs> Just trying to picture that interview That must have been a trip
1: What <laughs> <laughs> like what does that mean uh, f- was, was Andrew Garfield Confused was uh, circus doing Pickup shots for Planet of the apes But he says he said you know during last Jedi with hair on his face Was he doing another alien maybe Or is Snoke not Snoke
0: <laughs> Or maybe he's doing His character from uh, Black Panther He
1: has a character in Black Panther
0: yeah, the Marvel Marvel movies. He's the guy who gets the vibranium out of uh, Wakanda and he's got like those wicked sideburns or whatever and uh maybe that's if they like much like how they had to refilm Henry Cavill for for Justice League or for uh uh, Batman v Superman, but he had already grown a mustache, so they just like scanned his face and digitally removed the mustache <laughs> for these pickup shots. <laughs> so like, is it the same thing where it's like, oh, Andy Serkis is recording whatever? Oh, quick, put the sideburns on him because he's doing this character for this Marvel movie instead. I mean, it's a Disney, it's owned by Disney, and it's couldn't they if he's in one one location, couldn't they just, you know what I'm saying? Like, just yeah, no, get and pickup I
1: shots for that. whatever. I, I didn't know any of that, but I feel like. Uh, I wanted to share that because it's weird, but I feel like most likely Andrew Garfield misassessed that situation there. Because, like, that's not Snoke. That doesn't make sense. That doesn't make any sense.
2: (laughs) Maybe that was just Andy Serkop's get-up for the day. (laughs) (laughs) Like, he's so associated with it, he just wears, like, motion capture balls all the time. That's why he's so good at those characters.
1: (laughs) A couple other things. A couple minor things, Last Jedi stuff. The, uh, the racing creatures on Canto Bite are called Fathiers. That's another making Star Wars rumor proven ironclad. I found this at a kid's book. So that's, once again, the children's books have all kinds of weird stuff in them. Just not anything super substantial, but enough to confirm which rumors are and aren't true. Um, and there's a tops card, a trading card with an image depicting a crashed X-wing in the waters of Octo, suggesting that Luke has been stranded there, either intentionally or accidentally. But basically, the reason, you know, he couldn't even be found if he wanted to be found, that might be a thing. It, it seems like uh, it would have to be some serious creative liberties for this card to be misinterpreted, and we'll link to it on this episode's page, along with anything else of uh, a visual reference needed. Um, and one final thing. Jason Fry, the author of the Last Jedi novel, posted a tweet with a stack of books that helped him complete the Last Jedi novel, and it is a lot of Star Wars books, but also some really weird non-Star Wars books in the stack, including The Little Island, Waters of Eternal Youth, the novelization of Gremlins, and best of all, the novelization of Howard the Duck.
2: I mean, that's definitely the one, like, taking all the attention. (laughs) And so, so like the Gremlins one's got to be Porgs. I mean, right? I mean,
1: maybe. And does that mean that there's a secret to be revealed about the Porgs? Maybe. I mean, here's here's what else but, we, got here. we have. We have we have the new the new Phasma book. The blood we got Bloodline, Inferno Squad, the Battlefront book, some Star Wars Aftermath stuff, um, the Ahsoka novel, which is interesting. Um,
2: I I, w- I would I have my guess on why that one's there. Yeah. i think we got some crystal bleeding coming up Mm,
1: mm, yeah that that crystal bleeding has been in so much media we'll be talking about that in our next episode where we're discussing sort of the latest stuff happening with star wars books um it's much like how we we've seen the process so far especially with rogue one how the story group will have elements for the these major tentpole theatrical productions and then at aspects of them mythos aspects of them will be seated for years prior just like maybe a note of hey just be sure to do something with uh the imperials collecting kyber crystals and it'll just build and snowball over time until we've got all this backstory for the you know the project of the death star without even really realizing what was happening but uh howard the duck i don't know and I've, i'm holding the copy of it right right here i have i've never i've never read the novelization but i have it i don't so i don't really know what uh what There is of significance to that, but uh, maybe we'll find out soon. (laughs) Now, the other big thing, the other really, really, really big thing is the Han Solo film. We still know very, very, very little about it. It's been kind of a journey ever since Ron Howard took the reins. Filming has kind of wrapped. There was a cast party ahead of the normal one since everyone's schedules are all over the place from the unexpectedly prolonged shooting. Um, there's speculation that even though we'd heard that Lord Miller's footage was very, very usable, Howard actually reshot more of the movie than was initially expected. And he's been editing this whole time, so they say, even and there's a substantiated rumor that as a result there's a cut of a teaser for the film that's done, and sources are saying we're likely to see it soon. And considering that the film actually is coming out in May, it has not been delayed, that's very likely. We could see it on Thor, we could see it on The Last Jedi, in fact, if we didn't see it on The Last Jedi, I'd be very surprised. And uh, at the time of this party, it was the film was still being called Untitled Han Solo Film, but all the crew jackets said Solo. Surprise, surprise, that is in fact the name of the movie. It's called Solo, A Star Wars Story. But in the interim, we did attempt to... Come up with some titles that the film might be called because there's a lot of opportunities with a Han Solo film. Because this Solo thing, it, it's it's kind of obvious. It's just calling it Solo, sure. But what if, what if it had like a, an adventure serial title? Or, or Matt, you uh, you were hoping to have something like like uh, Han Solo at Star's End?
2: Yeah, I wanted a nice pulp Brian Daly title.
1: So we 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 had a little bit of fun shooting back and forth some some ideas. Like for example. Uh, Han Solo and the Spice Slaver's Bargain, like something with something with a little bit of energy, like that.
2: Han Solo and the Scoundrels' Lament.
0: Or Han Solo and the Coruscant Bounty.
1: Or Han Solo and the Seduction of the Minot Queen.
2: Han Solo and the Greedo Connection. Han Solo and the Cult of Forty Fives. <laughs> Han Solo, <laughs>
0: Wrath of Dangar.
2: Han Solo and the Quest for Opie's Credits.
0: Han Solo and the Kingdom of the Crystal Porg. Han Solo and the Consultation of the Bones.
2: <laughs> the Han Solo Chronicles, Episode 1: The Scoundrel the Gambler and the Wookiee, A Star Wars Story. Han Solo Into Darkness.
0: Han Mibuki.
2: <laughs> uh Solo Tell That the Kanji Club.
0: Young Han Solo and the Mystery of the Carbonite Conundrum. Han Solo, I'll see you in hell. <laughs>
2: Han Solo, just a little higher.
0: <laughs>
1: Which is the uh, the Judd Apatow uh, stoner film for Han Solo. <laughs> Han,
0: our expectations are Solo.
1: And uh, the one that ended up being truest, Solo, a minimalist approach. <laughs>
2: uh, they should have gone with the new holiday special, Star Wars Story. Tag and Bink meet Han Solo.
1: And what's crazy about that is like the next day, <laughs> the next day after Matt made that joke we got tag and bink are gonna be in fucking han solo that's
2: that's the craziest freaking thing out of all the things and i gotta say like once i noticed saw that it was like john kasdan's influence there that like he grew up a tag and bink fan i was like that's pretty cool
1: so if you're not familiar with tag and bink i don't blame you it's (laughs) (laughs) it's the fringes of the star wars universe um Matt, why why don't you take the lead on uh, on refreshing everyone's memory about uh, Tag? They were bank.
2: they were like a non canon Abbott and Costello of the Star Wars universe. Like they were two dopey stormtroopers that like somehow always got involved in like a lot of the original trilogies, like big events, and you know were around to kind of like mess them up, I guess so to speak.
0: Hold up.
2: I, just to give you an example, like Manny Bothans was actually like a character, like his name was Manny Bothhands. So it was just one guy died. It was Manny Bothans died. Get it? <laughs> <laughs> it was awful. Like no, I, I, I'm sorry, awful is not the right word because that they were they were of certain type of of fun slapstick like like well, strike that word awful from the record. The the, 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 like, <laughs>
1: man, man, the Manny Bothans gag is. The goofiest, dumbest thing about it, because the other hand, like, <laughs> like they, they it's Dag and Binker, rosencrantz and Gildenstern are dead, but in the Star Wars universe, like that's what it is, right. and right. they, they actually were used to explain continuity problems, not just to like do hijinks in the background as well, like whereas things like Manny boffins things like them finding Chewie's metal um, after Yavin, which. Obviously, thanks to the Chewie comic, we know that's not that's not canon. But there are aspects of it that actually could be canon if they chose to make them so. For example, they were the two stormtroopers having a casual conversation while Obi-Wan Kenobi deactivated the shield generator. But they weren't actually stormtroopers. They were on the blockade runner and had stowed aboard the the Death Star just trying to, like, lay low, like, knocked out some stormtroopers and wore some armor and got in there, uh, all Ezra Bridger style. And, uh... <laughs> um... Then they they tried to escape the Death Star to go to Alderaan, and then just as they were doing that, Alderaan exploded, and that's why when the Falcon appears in the debris field of Alderaan, there's just like these random Tie fighters out there.
2: <laughs> yeah, it it it's silly, but so getting back to Solo, like <laughs> I make that joke, and the next day. Ron Howard tweets a picture of John Kasdan and the assistant director from the film dressed up as as Imperial officers and identifies that they're playing Tag and Bink. Like, I don't know how, like, somehow I, I conjured that from the Force. Like, I was very, like, uh, um, Darth Plagueis there, like, I, in the old EU, kind of creating uh, Anakin out of his Sith meditations, and I I created Tag and Bink with a joke. You did it. <laughs> I did it
1: you're very you're very intuitive matt you're very intuitive <laughs>
2: <laughs> only if i could have only if I could have like somehow evoked a nice uh pulp style title for the solo film mm. because solo a star wars story sets a very bad precedent yeah opinion.
1: it's boring and it sucks and the logo's boring and it sucks
2: <laughs> yeah and how do you like so from from that how could you you know the funny thing is is like how limiting that gets because now how can you make a Kenobi film that isn't named Kenobi? How can you make a Fet film that's not named Fett? It's very boring and like it would seem strange if they decided not to follow that naming system suddenly. And Solo A Star Wars Story could work maybe a 2 out of a 10 on the scale of creativity but Kenobi and Fett and all those other ones are going to be like a 1 out of 10.
1: Yeah, it's... Uh, I really hope they change it up immediately. Like... And you you know that it's been untitled this whole time because they didn't know what to do and they weren't they were focus grouping, like they had to have.
2: Ugh, the worst the worst two two words on in, in, <laughs> in like movie industry. I just I don't know. It, it's it's frustrating because if there is a series that you can actually, if you're that worried about money and interest, that you can actually take chances and have it not blow up in your face it's Star Wars. If this movie was called Han Solo in the Kessel Run, or Han Solo at Star's End, or Han Solo and, you know, whatever, nobody is not going to see this movie because of the title. I don't understand how they think that that can be something that turns people away. Quite frankly, when they added a Star Wars story to the end of Rogue One, like, that in any other franchise could have turned people away because it's a dumb name. Like, a Star Wars story. I'm, not, I'm still not sold on that phrasing. But notice, it was still okay, because nobody's not going to the theater to see a Star Wars movie based on a weird title. Like,
1: Well, also, they de-emphasized the Star Wars story immediately. Yep. But now they're stuck with it.
2: Yep. Like, <laughs> people went to go see Attack of the Clones, and yes, when that title... Hey, Phantom Menace 2, when those titles were announced, everybody... I, I recall everyone online thinking that that it was a weird title, but as it went along, and we saw the movies, like, guess what? Everybody went to go see those movies. Even when reviews weren't good, everyone went to go see those movies.
1: Yep. I was in middle school, maybe. Yeah, and in uh and in I was I was like, Uh, no.
2: <laughs> yep. Yeah, so was I. Attack of the Clones offended me. <laughs> like the title is so bad. But then it just You're like, it's Star Wars. Like, you know, even the Empire Strikes Back from Return of the Jedi are very pulpy. But you see those movies because that's what they're trying to do. And the movies speak for themselves in most cases. And and then at this point, the movies don't even have to speak for themselves. The series speaks for itself. So I don't think you have to worry about a title that's too crazy, you know, but you know, minimalism Mm. because they're nervous.
1: Yeah. It's, it's crazy how many doubts they have when they have no reason to have doubts. They could, I mean, they have the freedom to take risks here and they feel like they don't i mean they're playing with a lot of money I, so much money i get it they're wa- but they're they are walking less of a tightrope than probably anyone else in the industry
2: yeah absolutely
1: now um there's been a lot of changes and shakeups in this film that we've learned of since ron howard started shooting this movie we were really really worried about bradford young the cinematographer because um, he's got great vision, and you know he was with Lord Miller, and oh my god, like he was a huge... Their, their pitch to him is what took him a very serious filmmaker to do this Star Wars maybe kind of comedic film. But he's still on. He's still attached to the project, which is amazing. However, okay. there's other folks that aren't. Like uh, Michael K. Williams um, of HBO's The Night Owl, he was going to play an unknown half-human, half-animal-looking character... Um, He was cut due to scheduling conflicts, um, and they needed him to come back for extensive reshoots, but it wasn't going to happen, so he's been written out. He said specifically that he felt great about what he created with the directors that he worked with. We created a kick-ass character, in my opinion. I'm proud of it, but it is what it is. I don't think that me not being in the Star Wars family is final. I left with a very good taste in my mouth about the whole family. I hope that I left a good taste in their mouth. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Nice. He also accidentally revealed the name of Amelia Clark's character. He said he was playing the character he was playing was a link between Han Solo and Amelia's character Kira, which was spelled K I R A. But uh, making Star Wars suggests that it's actually a misquote. The name is Kura K U R A, and the um, people who originally reported it changed it around. But it would have been interesting if it was K I R A because that was actually one of the original names for Ray's character in early draft of the Force Awakens. A character that's possibly replacing Williams is Paul Bettany. He was His presence on the film was revealed by a tweet from Ron, How- Ron Howard. Uh, they've worked together on The Da Vinci Code and A Beautiful Mind. But a source told Deadline that he's doing an entirely new character, not just doing Michael K. Williams' character.
2: Interesting. So...
1: Ron has been tweeting so much weird stuff. We'll post some of the best things. There's um, an R2 unit that's been turned into a hibachi. There's what looks like maybe a sewer. There's what's definitely the Spice Mines of Kessel, which unfortunately actually just look like a standard 90s Star Trek sci-fi cave set. Um, <laughs> and this weird blotchy turbine thing with the caption, secrets to uncover and challenges to face for a young hashtag Han Solo.
2: You know, what's funny about that one is, is it, it, it gave me some vibes from Arrival. Like, not, not really, but kind of. And just... I mean, Bradford Young, I believe that was one of his films. Yep. So, like, I was just like, oh, that's cool. But, yeah, that's that's really all I got from it. There's very little else for me to glean.
1: We have a few details about the film. Like, aside from Ron's tweets. <laughs> um, but generally, we still know very, very little. Making Star Wars says that uh, the, the movie takes place over three time periods over seven years and fe- features Kessel and Corellia in the movie. Um we will see the Millennium Falcon, but it won't look like the ship that we know. Um, there's a, a link that I'll include on this episode's page where it shows a image of, a, I guess, the, the type of ship that the Falcon is as it was portrayed briefly in the prequels, which is with a different paint job. So Making Star Wars says, the Falcon is brand new and owned by Lando. It has blue detailing all over it with a white base coat. Um... And we see it doing cargo work, what it was actually made for. There's an attachment that hooks onto the ship's front forks that elongates the front of the ship. It looks seamless, but can also be detached. But you know what? I'm sick of talking about Star Wars. Let's talk about
0: Willow. Willow.
1: Ron's been tweeting a lot, obviously. The Ron Howard-Willow connection is going to be... Man, we're going to see so much crazy Willow stuff next year when Ron's promoting this movie and it's the 30th anniversary of Willow. It's going to be nuts. Someone tweeted to him, a person named uh, Blockridge1977, Okay, so now that you're back in the Lucasfilm saddle, when are we getting that Willow sequel? And Ron said, Glad you're asking for one. I directed Warwick Davis for the first time in 30 years today. It made me happy. And that same day... That very same day, the energy was strong, the bones were foretelling a great many things, Val Kilmer was doing an AMA, and was asked, will there be a sequel to Willow? Could you ask the directors and writers for one? (laughs) And Kilmer said, I would love it, and every time I see George Lucas, he leans in and he says, we were right because he wanted to do a take on The Hobbit, and they fought him all the way. Didn't give us the distribution we needed, but George has asked Ron Howard to do the next Star Wars, which is that's an interesting way that Val's interpreting it. Uh, so there you go. At least I think George still gets to approve of things, even though he sold it for a galaxy's far, far away's worth of cash. <laughs> then, another thing happened on Twitter, with uh, Leland Chi, the Keeper of the Holocron, guider of all Lucasfilm continuity. A user named Scone Trooper asked, do you track anything other than Star Wars and Indiana Jones, LucasArts Properties, for instance? And Leland Chi replied, Long ago, I gathered materials for Willow and the Seventh Tower book series, but nothing became of it. So I asked him uh, on that same thread, because, <laughs> because we have so many different quests that we're on for the the Willow lore and knowledge about the production and background information. I said, With that canned Willow animated series, was there a production Bible developed? And he responded, First, I've heard of it. Not to say it wasn't a thing at some point. I've just never seen anything. So if such a document exists, oh, it is buried deep in the Lucasfilm archives. If Leela Chi was digging around for information on Willow and didn't even come across it.
0: Right. Well, said he was gathering materials as well. I just wonder how much of that is there, you know?
1: And it's a fair question. I mean, there's enough production art for very specific things to suggest that there must be at least a dossier of official notes on some ideas. I feel. But is it lost to time? It very well might be. And as for Willow's 30th anniversary, well, we are still hard at work putting things together to give him a proper birthday celebration. But we can't say anything just yet and we will reveal it as soon as we can. And hopefully, I suppose, hopefully we can reveal something because uh, there's a lot of moving parts here and this is a very, very tricky little project. But we'll keep you informed. Even if it doesn't happen, I'll tell you what went wrong. Thus ends Willow Watch. Now, before we open the blast doors, we gotta do two things. We gotta talk about how you can support State of the Empire and make sure that this show continues, and also there's some interesting news about other stuff beyond episodes eight, nine, and the Han Solo film. But let's let's talk about that first one first. You make State of the Empire possible. We are entirely listener-supported and rely on you to keep this show and all the shows on the Nerdy Show Network alive. If you back us on Patreon, even a dollar makes a world of difference and keeps us consistently funded every single month. That's patreon.com slash nerdy show. It funds all the Nerdy Show Network, and you get a ton of perks, even at a dollar, including early releases, sometimes early releases of State of the Empire content, as a matter of fact, and deleted stuff from this show. Of course, go higher than a dollar, and now you're talking some bigger, badder, better rewards, but I'll let you find all those over on Patreon. You can give us a one-time donation at nerdyshow.com support, but also, if you're buying Star Wars stuff on the internet and you're doing it through amazon.com, you should first go to nerdyshow.com amazon and bookmark our link there so it becomes your permanent link for Amazon because if you shop through our links, anything you buy gives back to the Nerdy Show network. It's as easy as that, and if you get something really cool, Write into us about it. We'll give you a shout-out here on the show for supporting Nerdy Show for buying something awesome. If you don't have any funds to throw our way, we totally understand, but please do consider some free options. You can rate and review us on iTunes, which is a huge help. That is still the number one source for podcast discovery, um, just I, I don't know, getting and acquiring things, judging the quality of stuff, but there is a new platform as well, which is actually easier to use. You should definitely check out. It's called Podchaser. You can go to podchaser.com, and you can not only rate and review series, but you can rate and review specific episodes and add in tags. So, for example, you could type in uh, Ron Howard, Willow, Han Solo, Warwick Davis, uh, Episode 9, Tag and Bank, and... uh, When you search for those things, you'd actually find this episode there, which is something that you absolutely cannot do on iTunes. If you're really looking for that niche discovery for like a particular episode, it can't happen on iTunes, but it can happen on Podchaser. That's what it was built for. So, like I said, some stuff from beyond what we know so far. There's a piece of news that came out August 17th. It hit hard and then faded into obscurity. No one's talking about it. We don't know what the fuck is going on. And we've been talking for a long time about an Obi Wan Kenobi movie. Everyone says it's not gonna happen. Jason Aaron did some great Obi Wan Kenobi solo stories in his star- run on Star Wars, the comic book. Um, but Hollywood Reporter said that Stephen Daldry, the Oscar nominated director of Billy Elliott and the Hours, is in early talks to do an Obi Wan film. This comes from unnamed sources who said the talks were at their earliest conceivable point and the project has no script. Daldry would oversee the development and writing with Lucasfilm. Hollywood Reporter also took care to add that Lucasfilm is still looking to do a Yoda film and a Boba Fett film, which, Boba Fett, not so weird. The Yoda film, I never believed, honestly. They were saying Yoda film in the same breath as a Jabba the Hutt film, and I'm like, you're out of your mind. I mean... We know that there's great solo stories to be told for both those characters, but given how safe they're playing it, the universe is not ready. And that's honestly not even remotely what I want to see first. So I hope that's not right. a thing. But um, I don't know. What do you guys think about this, like about Stephen Daldry coming out of the woodwork to do uh, a Star Wars movie, an Obi Wan film, no less?
2: Uh, it's funny because. If you told me Stephen Daldry was doing a Star Wars movie, I'd be like, "Oh, I'm intrigued." If you told me he was doing Obi Wan, not as intrigued. <laughs> it's Why not that? exactly who I would like? Yeah. Uh, the energy just doesn't seem to be. Uh, not that I want the Obi Wan film to be this like action shoot 'em up type movie, but I feel like I could get more out of like a Stephen Daldry movie about like a like a old Republic era Master Padawan relationship. I mean, I feel like he does like personal relationships well. And I don't know if the Obi-Wan film is necessarily... Like, unless it was like Logan, between, like, a young Luke and Obi-Wan, I don't know if I'd want to see... I don't know. And I wouldn't even want to see, see that, because that makes the the mystery of old Ben living out beyond the Dune Sea a little too close to Luke.
0: I mean, do we even know for sure when this takes place? Nope.
1: We know nothing. We know nothing.
0: So, if, for all we know, it could be a, a, young, a really... Young, a child... Obi-Wan being trained by
2: uh, Qui-Gon. Get old uh, Liam Neeson back. That that would make him a great choice.
1: Maybe we just solved the problem.
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
0: It goes even further back in time. Now we gotta get a young Liam Neeson the same way we got a young Obi-Wan with Ewan McGregor. So who's like the young Liam Neeson?
2: (laughs) CG Liam Neeson?
0: (laughs) Yep. Dude, what if they got Ewan McGregor to play young (laughs) (laughs) Qui-Gon?
2: No, no. Ewan McGregor's face being CG'd onto like a 13-year-old boy (laughs) <laughs> yeah, like Benj-
0: Benjamin Button. At-
2: uh huh. Like we get some weird, weird looking shit. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, that
1: would be neat to see. I to guess to see to see a director like that exploring the pre prequel era
0: world of Star Wars. Or, oh, dude. Uh, what, if, what if it was just a buddy cop movie with Obi-Wan in the desert, but his buddy is the ghost of Qui-Gon Jinn?
2: Oh, shit! <laughs> yeah. Okay. Like, okay. I could see that. Um, You know, like... Now you got me excited, though, about the concept of the Stephen Daldry movie being, like, pre-Phantom Menace, because I'm still waiting for this line of... of this Star Wars saga narrative, like the the old expanded universe had a good beginning cap to sort of like give me the the overall, you know, mega saga between good and evil, you know, whether it was like the the ancient Sith and then like the infinite empire before it and all kind of like made sense and came together. But now when, if you watch or read the current canon, like, the beginning has very little context for what's going on. I feel like you don't, nothing's explained to you until you get to A New Hope. Phantom Menace just kind of throws you into it. Like, no no explanation of the Force, no whatever. And, like, I would like some sort of movie that gives you, like, a really good foundation for what the Force means to these prequel-era Jedi. And also context for, like, you know, evil in that galaxy. And I think Stephen Daldry could do a cool movie like that. Like a, a
0: he he directed um, Billy Elliot and Extremely Loud and incredibly close both about yep young boys coming of age story so why not a young Kenobi coming of age story where he's got to decide is he going to stay at home or is he going to go train to be a Jedi before he gets too old and we've got to make a life cha- you know a life choice at such a young age that sounds more and more like something that would be in his wheelhouse
2: yeah I I think that that's a very exciting sounding project and. He would be a good choice for it. Probably a lot of people would be a good choice for that type of movie. But if that's the Kenobi movie we're talking about, like I'm totally on board.
1: This is interesting. I hadn't really considered these possibilities.
2: Yeah, you could even give me that sort of context I'm looking for in a movie that doesn't necessarily take place before *Phantom Menace*. Like one that is, I I could get it in, in a you know Kenobi and young Anakin movie, or uh or or even a even a Kenobi movie for, that takes place in between *Revenge of the Sith* and *A New Hope*. But like I really feel like. I don't know. There's just very little foundation in the prequel era right now that the old comics and old books used to do a good job filling in for George Lucas. <laughs> and now there's nothing. There's a Darth Maul comic and there's an Anakin and Obi-Wan comic and there's a, a a Mace Windu comic. And none of them seem to add too much to it.
1: Nope. They're just they're stories. They're good stories, but they're stories. They're just there.
2: Yes. Yeah. And um yeah, it's just... Uh, it's a severely it's an era lacking in something in solid ground
0: and we, either of you know who else was in extremely loud and incredibly close
2: never even heard of it uh was that tom hanks
0: well uh one, i i don't know if tom hanks was also in it but one of the one of the actors in the film was none other than lor santeca himself max von Sydow. Oh, shit there you go there's a character man that Speaking of which, where where, where yeah, where when are we gonna get more about Lor Santeka? He's just well dead. Uh, he dead, yeah. No. Yo. You're gonna
1: get that in the Poe Dameron comics, but uh, as to why not in the films, I mean I've mentioned this before, but I, I feel that Lor Santeca is still one of the biggest mysteries of the production of The Force Awakens because Max Von Sydow was announced very early on and was brought into that massive, um, like highly publicized s- script reading that first happened. He was there in the room. He has no lines in the movie.
0: Wait, we're talking about... Wait a minute. So there's a mystery around Lor Santeca. There's a mystery around Snoke. I've always said, what if Snoke was a clone trooper? What if Lor Santeca was an old clone trooper?
2: I think Lor Santeca is a J.J. Abrams mystery box that got chopped up when... I mean, that, that beginning went through so many iterations. You know, the lightsaber flying through space and all that other stuff. I think that character just got minimized to a point of uselessness. And it will only be comics. That we learn more about his connection to the overall story.
1: Shame. Yeah, damn shame. Max von Sydow is fucking amazing. Shame. Anyway, we got to go behind the blast doors. So if we're seeing you later, we'll see you later. And uh, we'll probably see you in two weeks with an all new State of the Empire. But for those of you brave enough, it's time to open the blast doors. Open the blast doors. Open the blast doors. You ready for the weird shit?
2: (laughs) I'm always ready for weird shit.
1: (laughs) We got one thing from Han Solo. One teeny tiny thing. It's very likely Darth Vader's in that movie. (laughs) I know, I know. Like, just stop, folks. There was a cancellation notice for Spencer Wilding, who plays Vader these days, in late July. And the reason, given publicly, was that he's filming the newest film in the Star Wars universe. There's only one movie that could be. I suppose, unless... There's an Anakin force ghost where he's Vader, but that's impossible because Vader did not get turned into a force ghost. Anakin got turned into a force ghost.
2: Also, I mean, you know, there was that force awakens concept art of like the dual, you know, Anakin and Vader force ghost thing that was going around, mm. but they wouldn't have used that idea. Like they wouldn't have shown us that concept art if they planned on using that in the plot.
1: One would assume. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, you know, if Vader in passing in Solo isn't the worst thing, but it's also like, come on, like, Han Solo is not a part of that world until he becomes a part of that world.
2: Are you kidding? In this in this new movie, like, Vader's going to, like, kill his parents. <laughs> like, ugh, goddammit.
1: Let's let's just keep setting our expectations catastrophically low and be pleasantly surprised, I hope.
2: <laughs> all right, yeah, all okay, right, I'm just, I'm... I'll 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 step down from Red Alert,
0: <laughs> <laughs> or they're gonna have like Han Solo's parents, and he's like hiding somewhere, and Han Solo's parents are working for the Rebellion, and he has to witness the interrogate. He's gonna have he's gonna see Darth Vader interrogate his own dad the way he's gonna be interrogated in Empire Strikes Back it's like because it's like poetry; at rhymes.
2: It rhymes. <laughs> <Ugh>. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is. Uh... You know what, (laughs) Doug, this is my version of my suggestion that they're going to end the solo movie with them going into the Mos Eisley Cantina and Ewan McGregor is CG playing Obi-Wan Kenobi, and that's how they announced the Kenobi film. Like, that's that's your version of what I'm going through right now. Right.
0: (laughs) Yeah, putting – but, well, we – so this is a good source that says that Vader's going to somehow be in the film, whereas any Obi-Wan appearance would be just, like, pure speculation still at this point, right?
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Right.
0: So that's all we I, got I for mean, Solo. don't get me wrong, I I I think Darth Vader in a Han Solo spinoff movie is equally dumb as, as putting Obi-Wan in it, but... You gotta sell damn movie tickets. Gotta put, gotta put a shot of Vader in the teaser so people know it's a Star War.
2: I think Greedo and Han are gonna be like brothers. They're gonna like saber tooth Wolverine them. <laughs>
0: They're gonna no, no. They, they already put Greedo in, like, in Phantom Menace, right? Where it's like, one of these days, Greedo, you're going to get yours or whatever. I'm like, it's going to be the same thing. They're going to call back there's it's going to be teenage Greedo, and he's just like, damn it, Greedo, you keep acting this way. One of these days, someone's going <laughs> to... <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be, a, like, in every trilogy, there's always going to be a thing with Greedo just being a dick.
2: Uh, And Dr. Evazan and Baba like, they're going to run into Han outside, the cantina and con- continue to repeat that you watch yourself, like it will have them they have had that conversation three times like right before they like get say, theirs.
0: Give me a break. We just got we just got back from Jeddah and holy shit, we
2: barely escaped.
1: Yeah.
2: And boy are our arms tired. Oh man,
1: were they the stand up routine going off your figuring Dan? <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, it was it was open mic night at the Monsai Cantina <laughs> and Pandababa had a great set. But then Doctor <laughs> Evazan had to start a fight.
1: Oh, don't you hate it when your friends get drunk? When you you just ask them out and you're like, "Hey, I'm gonna do a set," you know, like uh, you know, just come out and see me. But then they they get roaring drunk and you gotta be like, "Hey, man, chill out, chill out." And he's like, uh-huh. "Fuck you!" And then a Jedi slices your arm off.
0: <laughs> hate it when that happens. Fuck. I hate it. It's the worst. Good, good thing your friend's a doctor.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: he's probably like a doctor in linguistics.
1: No, that's that's he's also a performer, but he's a more down and out performer. He's really jealous of Pondababa and so like the it's like Doctor Demento. That's Dr. Everson's thing. <laughs> Isn't he supposed to be like a uh cosmetic guy? Who even knows anymore? I don't I've got the ultimate guide to the Star Wars universe right here.
0: I thought he was doing like like facial like illegal facial
1: reconstructions and shit for criminals. Well, I think that was what it was in Tales of the Mos Eisley Cantina, but half that shit doesn't exist anymore.
2: Which, in a weird way, is probably the biggest shame of abolishing the old EU, is all that great backstory for, like, those characters, like, on-screen characters like that. It really fleshed out that world quite a bit. I thought that's what that certain point of view book was going to be, which it does have some elements of that, but the stories are too, too short and too quick and too weird sometimes.
1: And we'll be talking much more about that in the next episode of State of the Mm -hmm. Empire. I've, I've almost got him. Page 133. I'm almost there. <clears throat> Here we go. Dr. Cornelius Evazen is a murderous smuggler and partner of Ponda Baba. Once a promising surgeon, he is now notorious for conducting cruel medical experiments. Hideously scarred by a bounty hunter, Evazen has death sentences in 12 systems. Oh, funny. I didn't know that. Hanging over... <laughs> uh, uh. Blah, blah, blah. Obi-Wan has a confrontation. Okay, sure. That's it. <laughs> That's all we know. Anyway... Episode eight. Now, I mentioned that there was a source that gave out a bunch of interesting information, but first we have a little bit of our own speculation. There have been a lot of graphics going around, including the main poster for the Last Jedi, that shows a very grim Luke Skywalker. There's um, a very fancy action figure of him with just a terrible scowl, and he's so angry. And we're we're making jokes about evil Luke. Is did Luke go go dark side? You know what what might that be like? But then then we saw. This big standy thing for promoting the film in IMAX. It's like a gateway you walk through, and it's got two sides to it. On the one side, there's a montage of the hero characters with Luke. And on the other side, there's all the dark side First Order characters also with Luke. So,
0: And I said, it made me think of that old uh, opening crawl. There are heroes on both sides.
2: I mean, it opens up a lot of discussion. How much like... I don't know what you call it, a balancing act, or, or is is Luke going through in this movie, do you think? I mean, do you think we're going to find out that he went dark, that he's going dark, that he thinks that, like, terms like that don't mean anything anymore? Like, I, I don't know what to think anymore, to be quite honest.
1: Well, I think we initially assumed that he'd exiled himself because of shame, perhaps, for what happened, but... I think he might blame himself for this in a way that is not what we initially suspected. That maybe, or maybe the the death of his students pushed him to a place where he was actually going to kill his nephew and then spared him. There's a, you know there's a possibility that the kyber crystal around his neck, should it be back in a lightsaber, would be red because Luke bled his own saber. That's tricky. <laughs> it's very, very tricky how to judge this. But I guess don't be surprised if we see a somewhat evil Luke Skywalker, because definitely the conversation is being had about the balance between life, light and dark, but I don't think the general public, or even ourselves, are prepared for how dark he might actually be.
2: I mean, are we thinking force choking? Are we thinking lightning? Are we thinking like just that he's... You think we'll see that darkness on screen, or he'll just tell us about that darkness?
1: Oh, I think we'll see it. I think he'll slip. I think he'll, he'll freak the fuck out, and he'll do something. I think he'll shoot some lightning, and you will be like oh, my God, Luke Skywalker
2: is Emperor Palpatine, you know? Interesting.
0: We've already seen somebody choke somebody in uh, Return of the Jedi.
2: Yeah, but at that point, though, you're just wondering if he's, if he's going that way, right? Leaves that question open, you know, like, ooh, he's kind of becoming like daddy. And that's actually one of the triumphs of the Machete Order, on a slight tangent, is that, you know, you leave that question, you know, you find out about Vader's relationship to Luke, and then you watch the fall of Anakin Skywalker, and then you come back, and the first thing you see is Luke, sort of in a Vader shape, coming into Jabba's palace, and then straight up choking some Gamorrean guards. It's like, oh shit, is father like son?
0: Yeah, the first time you see any Jedi dressed in black, that's for sure. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah, he was going through something there, you know. Like I, I think the whole like not having been formally trained really, really showed, or you could read into it anyway. In in Jedi, and certainly, I think we're gonna see a lot of that. I think like like Luke went into the into this with a certain degree of ignorance. And I'm not sure why Obi-Wan Kenobi's ghost didn't better prepare him, but he wasn't, you know, he wasn't, he was trained by the best, but he wasn't trained for very long.
2: Right. And I mean, it's kind of crazy when you think about it. Like Yoda and Obi-Wan aren't showing him how to choke people. He's learning that on his own. And he doesn't even do the choking motions. He literally just points at the guards and they're grabbing their throats. Like it's a really, really incredible sequence when you think about the like implications of what's going on there.
1: Yeah. So I think that's the Luke. That's the Luke we left on. That's the Luke we're seeing in this movie, right? That's got to be what's happening here. Yeah. So, here we go. Here's here's the weirdest shit. This is from Making Star Wars France. This is hap- this was uh put out in September. Um this is from like an you know, an unnamed source, right? He's got a ba- it was basically a bunch of bullet points and I had to translate this in Google Translate. So it's a little clunky. I've tried to reword it so it makes a little bit more sense. Um and what casts a seed of doubt on it immediately is that uh, the same reporter or same source said that the uh, trailer would arrive the Monday before Halloween. Obviously, we got the trailer much sooner than that. He says he's working in the film industry, but not for Lucasfilm. The film changes the rules of the Star Wars universe, blurring the boundaries between right and wrong, and is Empire Strikes Back in terms of quality. Um, does he mean quality quality or does he mean aspects? I don't know because the translation is imperfect. The opening scene after the scrolling text is the Falcon jumping into hyperspace after leaving Dakar immediately afterwards. Star Destroyers arrive and attack the Resistance. The first word of the film is Sir, and the last is I'll kill him. So if any of those things happen, you know to heed what comes next. We'll see. The Wren Knights are in the film. They're the former students of Luke. Force ghosts appear, but only vocally, including Hayden Christensen. Chewie is not happy to see Luke at their reunion. DJ betrays Finn and Rose by hacking the data from the old stormtrooper, that's in quotes, to discover the location of the base of the resistance in the third and final act. I don't know who he's talking about. Maybe Finn? Or I'm, n- I'm not really sure how to, how to read into what that means exactly. Mustafar appears in the film. The Falcon doesn't get destroyed. So then we have character notes. And they're sometimes really simple things, like Phasma doesn't die. Hux doesn't die and kills three minor characters. Leia dies and would not see Luke. Which is contrary to a number of things that we've heard, but not impossible because you know, uh, we you know, if John Boyega is saying that Leia lives forever in the Star Wars universe, um, he wasn't necessarily in those scenes. He doesn't necessarily know what a- what is actually going to happen. Um, so, I don't know about that really. I don't. I don't. I don't think they're going to kill her. But on the other hand. That would certainly be a graceful way to make sure that they don't have to deal with the ambiguity of where the hell is that character in the next film. Um, then we got Luke. His first word in the film would be no. He's become very powerful. He'd frighten Ray and try to teach in moderation he would not be present in the last act of the movie. Ray. Here, here's how this thing reads. It's very, it's very weird. The so-called look would have been surprised by discovering Ray's parents. He thought she was Luke's daughter. I don't know what that means. That sentence is all over the place. So I don't know whose look. I don't know what, what's the famous look from the films of the trailer. Are we talking about Luke's expression?
0: I don't know.
1: Ray can't swim, and when she finds herself underwater, it would test her faith in the force. Now to me, that's one of the most telling things from this. Because this remember, this is before we saw the trailers. And we know that Rey has a bunch of water scenes and it looks like she's struggling and it looks like that's totally a thing that's happening. Yep. Kylo Ren. The last scene of the film would show Kylo holding Rey in his arms. As he speaks, we will see the consequences of other sequences. The resistance is weakened, as is the First Order. He would have a monologue at the end of the film. It would be about the galaxy destroyed by war. It must finally come to an end. All Snoke and Luke would care about was the Order, But what will really help the galaxy to find peace is freedom. Finn would earn a lot of money at gambling and the table at Canto Bight. He would like to cash in his chips, but Rose stops him because they have a mission. Finn's protests are hysterical. I believe it. Snoke, his story would not be explained. He won't fight. He's not the real leader of the First Order. It's someone you know well.
2: Mm. I don't believe it.
1: Yeah, I don't know about that, that he's supreme leader, like we're gonna we're gonna really puppet a puppet master for real. I mean, and what's more like he's he's he won't fight. Does that not count what happened in the trailer?
2: Yeah, I mean, they pulled that I mean, was a plot device in the aftermath books was like a puppet ruler of the Imperial remnant, you know, before founding the First Order. I don't think they're gonna double up.
1: It's weird, but again, these are these are the most concrete, declarative things that have ever been said with any sort of position of authority on a website. And granted, it's the French version of making Star Wars. I don't know how much clout to give that, but we've gotten very little about the plot points of this movie, and these are some of the most impactful ones we've received. So feel free to discuss those things in the Star Wars Spoilers Facebook group. That's where all the action happens when we're not releasing episodes, and uh, we will see you in two weeks for an all new State of the Empire.